I'm Mike Vardy. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. On this episode of the Productivityist Podcast, I speak with Damien Lupo. Now, Damien is a born entrepreneur. He's uh, started his first business at the age of 11. He started 30 more cents. And he's the founder of his own martial art, Yokido, which is trademarked. Uh, he's also the holder of three other black belts. Uh, Damien paid for his first rental house with a visa. Amazing stuff there. He bought 150 houses in seven states over the next five years and then went through a $20 million meltdown in tw- 2008. So he's gone through a lot. And we're going to talk about the idea of abundant productivity. That's what we're going to dive into here is, is kind of like the idea of where abundance can, can play a role in your productivity, kind of the, like why the why matters and, and all that kind of stuff. So let's just get into that conversation right now. Here's my conversation with Damien Lupo here on the Productivityist podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Damien Lupo to the Productivityist podcast. Damien, thanks for joining me today. Mike, it is a pleasure. Thanks for having me, my friend. So I am a big believer in the power of words and triggers. And when I received a copy of your book after, you know, you sent it to me, which again, thank you for doing that, um, invented, you know, life reinvented, or it's basically reinvented life. Like it's the way it's the optically set up on the page is really cool because it could be real life. It could be reinvented, but it's reinvented life. And you co-authored this with Christopher Ashby. Um, I. I create three words every single year that I use as kind of like my guiding principles. And in 2017, I chose redesign, rebuild, reclaim. I kind of told you the story about that before we jumped on the air here. So I'm really, really uh, happy to have you on the show to talk about some other kind of re reinvention and the reinvention of life. So thanks for joining me today. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's really going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this. So first off, why... The other books you sent me are are a bit of a departure from this. They're not exactly the same um, as this one in a lot of ways. Why did you and, and Christopher decide that you you needed to get this book out of you and into the world? Well, I, part of this was that going through my my process in the in the two thousands when I built up a business and ended up losing twenty million dollars, I I had all of this pain and this this 
these toxic scars and things inside and I needed to get it out. I think if we go through trauma, it goes back to this thing I saw one time watching a possum. Once a possum falls out of a tree, if you watch real close, the possum will actually run really, really fast. It'll shake. It looks like it's shaking, but it's running really fast to go through the process, the fight or flight. And it's going through this, this thing to get all of that anxiety out of its system. And I didn't have something in me to create that shake. I needed some process to get all of that, that fear and everything that I'd gone through, all the anxiety out. And so this book was me getting it out so that I could move on with my life. So the, the subtitle is how two friends moved from conflict and pain to consciousness and purpose. How did you and Christopher get together? When would you, were you guys just having a beer or a coffee and said, you know what? I'm having this kind of, these kind of feelings. Let's, let's co-author a book about this. Like how did the two of you get together to kind of manifest this thing? Cause I mean, your story is interesting and his story is as well. How did that, how did that coalesce and how did that alignment come to come to be? It, it, it was it was part of uh, it, it was weird because we we were talking. I was in Miami visiting with him, and we, we I was sharing that I was going to write this book, and this is early 2012. And he said, "I'd like to write it with you." And I looked at him and I thought, "How in the world are we going to write a book about a story, my story, and you're going to write it with me?" And I said, literally within seconds, I said, "I'd love to. Let's do it." No idea how I was going to do it. And what I found is that we ended up going deep into a relationship, really connecting as friends by sharing all of these lessons that entangled. They were they were really similar, even though our stories are very different. We just we went through a lot of the, the similar process of reinventing ourselves. And, and it was it couldn't be di more different on the outside. It was, you know, he was a classical musician and moved into finance. And I was in the middle of finance and moved into more of a spiritual uh, money type of mentor for people. And, and it was it was very different. And it was, it was just, it was an opportunity. I think the universe sh showed up with, and it said, here you go. Do you want to do something that's radically di different from everybody else's book and everybody else's story? Do you want to combine those? And it, it created an opportunity for us to connect and, and share our stories together. Well, it's laid out in a really interesting way because you've got your different stories, each, you know, your story, his story, and then, you know, the kind of the, the theories behind things, it's really laid out in an interesting way. And I guess you could say that you guys getting together was a, kind of a trigger event of sorts. Now, I'm a big believer in triggers. Uh, I think I use them all the time, whether it's, uh, you know, and I mean, whether you use them in a technological sense. So, for example, uh, I have a trigger that I've set up recently that is set to uh, remind me about an, a half hour. Uh, sometimes and actually it's, it's, it depends it depends on the day. Um, but, uh, generally about a half hour before I go to bed, it's a trigger to write in my journal. Like, you know, so it's an alarm, it's a trigger event and that's a minor one, but there's the trigger events come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? They, they do. I, I tend to put things in front of me, so I literally have to trip over them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'll snooze those those triggers too often. And I know that if my journal is right in front of me, it's the first thing I see. I sit down with my cup of coffee in the morning. It's those things. That's how I know. It's why I book things. If I'm if something matters to me, I'll book it. I book the plane ticket. I book a non-refundable. Whatever it is that matters, I make sure it's in front of me so I, I have to go through it. That's, right. That's a big part of my trigger event. Right. And and I mean, one of the things that I talk about with my audience is the idea of using theming, like time theming and when you're crafting your time and, and daily themes and having the trigger of when you wake up in the morning and instead of saying, what do I need to do today or what do I want to do today? Such an open ended question. Instead of having that trigger there, which says, well, what day is it? Oh, it's Monday. Monday is coaching day or Tuesday is admin day. It gives you some, as you put purpose it, and, and how did what was the tr like? What trigger events do you remember most fondly that have kind of you kind of led you down this path of reinvention? 
gosh, the, the, the trigger events that there are a couple of trigger events that that led me to to push into the space of, of reinventing where I, I was able to let go of the past. The first one was it's the very first thing I talk about in the book when I had four armed federal agents show up at my door and were knocking and I thought they were coming for me and I, I freaked out and hid in the closet. And and when I went outside and looked for them to see if they were still there and found this envelope on the door from the tax authority, realizing that I was in so much trouble. And then all of a sudden it was for somebody else. It wasn't even for me. That was a trigger event that that shifted me into a place of, holy crap, I'm in a lot of fear. And and then I stayed there. So instead of doing anything about it, I, I ended up waiting for about two years and I got fired from this volunteer campaign that I was working on, a political campaign. And I pretended it hadn't happened. I pretended I resigned. And the, the trigger there was me finally, I think I caught a glimpse in the mirror and I went, who in the world is that guy? He's literally lying to everybody and himself. And sometimes I think that's all it takes is us seeing ourselves in the mirror and then asking the question, who is that? Because we get really embarrassed about how we're showing up and living with ourselves all the time where it, it doesn't work anymore. And I, I said, forget this. I'm gonna ask the, the question, what is true? Which is a core theme in the book. It's constantly asking that. And what was true is that I got fired. I was I was a volunteer and I got fired. So I needed to really fix me. And that's what pushed me over the edge. And, and I said, okay, I've got to do something different because the way that I have been is not going to work for who I am and who I'm going to be. And that was the big shift. And and you talk about asking questions and, and that recurring theme throughout the book. And again, there's that re word again, re recurring. Um, you talk about metrics and that's a big part of, productivity practices as well in a lot of ways because people want to quantify they want to be able to look at hard data this is something that um, i struggle with or struggled with i'm working with clients now and i've actually found a way to quantify it uh at least in some respects it's hard to to have metrics for these sorts of things that are that are purely uh you know quantitative because people just want that magic pill right they want to say okay this is the problem here let me just you know do this or take that and it's solved. You talk about questions being a, a lot uh, of, of what's involved with, with having metrics for towards like having a reinvented life. How, how did you come up with the metrics that you needed and what do you recommend people do uh, in terms of measuring uh, how well things are going in their own lives? Well, the, one of the, the most powerful question other than what is true is what am I not seeing? And and we we have these blind spots. There's a there's a chunk about that in our in, in the book where I talk about the blind spots, and it, you can find those with with a mentor or or groups of people or therapists or just your your buddy that sees something and that you can't see. It's finding those things that you can't see is the critical piece because you could think you have the best ideas in the world or you're you're being productive and everybody can see something you just can't see it because you're too close to it and this is why the best people in the world always have coaches there's nobody that's extraordinary that doesn't have a coach i mean even bill gates has a coach his name is warren buffett so everybody should have those those eyeballs looking in and helping people to figure out what the what what the drivers are that we should be measuring. I think a lot of times people get obsessed around the outputs, the the key performance indicators of our life or our business. And what we're forgetting is that that's the outcome that we want to have. Those are those moments in time, the success pieces. And the fulfillment part is the drivers, what we're doing, the creation piece. And if we can fall in love with the the drivers, then the key performance indicators, the outcomes tend to take care of themselves, but we've got to figure out what the drivers are and get really, really serious about focusing on those, not just in the vision of what's going to happen. How important are frameworks to you? I mean, you've come from a background where there is there is structure and and a lot of people, when they go down this path of reinvention, they they 
they either don't have structure or they can't find it. How how important are frameworks and structure in the process of kind of going through this reinvention process? Because the last thing I think you want to do is is go in there blindly, and uh, otherwise you end up reinventing yourself, and you end up coming out the other side going, "What well, you know again? <laughs> what happened?" Like <laughs> so so uh, so. What do you think about like, and what are your, the frameworks that you kind of have put in place so that when you reinvent one time, maybe multiple times, um, the you don't get you don't stray too far off course. Mike, the the difference between somebody changing their mind and exchanging their mind is exactly what we're talking about here. You can change your mind, but if you if you don't change the structure, if you don't have structure, then you're just going to change your mind back and forth and really go back to your least common denominator where you were. And if you're willing to build structure, then you can exchange your mind and shift who you are, shift what you're doing, your results, your entire life. And it's funny because people resist this. This is a big part of my shift. I mean, this is a, this is probably one of the most powerful things ever that freedom is based on building structure. And people go, I don't want to have time blocks. I don't want to put mm. a calendar in place that tr- drives everything in my life. That's where you create freedom. Because if you don't set that up, you have chaos and chaos. There is no freedom because you're always afraid you're going to be missing things. And you're afraid, what am I supposed to be doing? What's happening? And people totally misinterpret the idea of how powerful structure is in creating freedom. And that's really what we want. It, it's it's really interesting because I, I say frameworks foster freedom a lot, and with mm-hmm. with the methodology I teach, you're right. Creatives and creatives are notorious for this because they, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh well, I don't want to be tied down to anything. And I think mm-hmm. as long as, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, as long as your frameworks have the flexibility that you need, but aren't, so at least there's some boundaries set. I think that's all all you're asking people to do is figure out, you know, what what the boundaries are, both the boundaries they've set for themselves and for others. So that way they have some kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of like having a sheet. It's kind of like, um, you know, having a sheet of paper. You can only draw, if you don't draw on the paper, then you're going to be drawing on your desk and all that stuff. Like that sheet of paper is, is, is a boundary. You can do whatever you want within that sheet of paper, but that, that sheet of paper is is the boundary. Is, is that kind of what you're getting at here as well? Yeah. And you, and you get to pick how big the piece of paper is and, and where it's put in your house and what the view, I mean, you, it's up to you. You still have this freedom of, of determining that, but if you don't have any structure, if you don't actually lay that out in, in front of you, you're going to end up with a mess. I mean, you're not going to have anything that's worth anything. You're just, you're, it's just going to be chaos. And that's what the universe tends towards. If you don't focus, if you don't have have energy and entropy, it naturally falls apart. And that's what our lives look like. If we don't have this, this type of of formulaic approach where we say, here's, here's the time. It's funny that people will spend all this time and they go, I had a really productive week and you ask them what they did. And they say, well, I, you know, I did this thing and you go that, okay, there's, there's two hours. What was the other 50 hours you claimed you worked? And they, they have no idea because they didn't really narrow in. And if we narrowed in, we'd be 10 times more productive, but we don't want to do that because we're, we're afraid we're going to kill the creative genius, which is totally stupid. Let's let's actually talk about the difference between you know when when you're dealing with creatives or someone who's more let's say I don't want I'm gonna paint it with a brush and say artistic or uh, and Todd Henry will say everybody's creative in a lot of ways and I totally agree with him versus the people that are very pragmatic or or, or maybe practical and don't don't feel that they've got the creative components. Um, there's that idea of success versus fulfillment, and I think that some people really struggle with, and you talk about this in the book the the difference and and what how we get defined by success it's really interesting i was actually thinking about this today as i was listening to uh, uh how far i'll go from the moana soundtrack 
you know, this, I don't know if you've seen the movie. Uh, uh, some members of my audience definitely will have because um, they have kids. Uh, <laughs> you can't avoid it if you have kids. Um, but uh, the the song is basically saying, here's what is expected of me. Um, everyone else has their own role. Why don't I, I feel that I can't fulfill that role or that role doesn't feel right to me. But I, maybe I should just go with it. Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not going with this? Is what... How do you how do you kind of get past that whole success versus fulfillment dichotomy that people face? I, I think if we're really honest about what success is, it's this moment in time, and and what what we're missing is we don't live in a moment in time. The only time that happens is with some, when somebody has a high school moment and then they stay there the rest of their life, and that's all they talk about over beers for you know the next fifty years. But that's not what our lives are supposed to be about. They're supposed to be this fulfilling journey and this adventure. I mean, it's really a hero's journey for all of us to go out there and experience this life. That's where the fulfillment is. It's the entire process. It's the day to day. If our entire focus is on when this one thing happens, then everything will be good. Or here's the moment in time that I'll have this this outcome with my business. It'll hit this certain level. Then I'm happy. We're screwed. And and so we're setting ourselves up for a miserable existence with a maybe moment in time that possibly will be hit. And then what happens? It's gone. It's fleeting. And that's the problem with all these focuses on just having these goals that are events. It's we're we're literally setting ourselves up to spend the majority of our time in pain and and miserable and frustrated and and probably on a lot of drugs trying to numb ourselves. Mm. And that's that's why we have to go towards fulfillment and figure out what the drivers are that's our day-to-day thing. And if we structure that, we're setting ourselves up for this experience that we're going to fall in love with versus this life that we're trying to run from. I want to touch on a couple more things before we wrap up today and they both start with the letter S. So, uh there's two things you talk about in the book that I think are are critical I think no no matter what you do in life, whether you're you're seeking to just continue forth with the path that you're on or whether you want to reinvent, and that's the need for stillness and simplicity. Uh, I don't think enough people stay st- stay still long enough and step back and, and really think about things. And I think that they tend to um, make things complicated uh, rather than than simple. And and there's a big difference between being complicated and being complex. You could, there is some, you know, you can, there is a difference there. Can you touch on a little bit? And I don't want you to give too much away in the book because otherwise people are going, well, there it is. Don't need to buy the book. Um, but <laughs> the, <Cheaters. laughs> it's like, this is, this is the blink version, the blinks version, the blinkest version of the book. Uh, so when it comes to stillness and simplicity, what role they play in the reinvention of one's life? I, this, the the whole idea behind stillness and simplicity, and I'm glad we're hitting these because when we think about what's going on today, now more than ever, we have things flying at us in every second. There's a million things hitting us on Facebook highlight reels of people's lives that we're comparing our life to and, and these moments in time, the success moments we're seeing. We're, we're constantly on the move. We're craving bigger and more, and, and it never ends. Very Western approach to, to things. It's a little crazy, and we're stressed out. If we will just find a practice. And for me, that's yoga, it's martial arts and meditation. If we find a practice, and even if it's just minutes a day where there's actually stillness, we'll start to hear things in our own minds. We'll start to feel present and grounded and it starts to shift things. It's, I mean, it literally changes the chemistry in our body. Deepak Chopra talks a lot about this with meditation. And what's happening is we're killing ourselves inside out because of the stress we're putting on ourselves because we're going so fast and we never have the stillness. And 
we're missing all the intuition that comes in if we just pay attention to the the, the stream of consciousness that's there. I mean, we're, we're pretty smart inside, but we're always looking for these external gurus and these messages instead of listening to ourselves. We've got a lot of innate intelligence that's waiting for us to hear if we're just still. So that that's the, the first S. And, and the other one with simplicity, it, usually the most powerful thing that we can do is not add something on, it's to delete something. It is, mm. it's to what I call the blank slate approach to life. And this came from moving, I moved a lot. And one time I was, I was moving and I, it was like the third time in two years. And I, I looked outside at my, all my piles of stuff and I went, what, God, this sucks. I mean, this is terrible. I don't wanna move this stuff in. And actually, what do I really want here? And, and the question made me think, if I didn't have anything, if my house just burned down, what would I actually bring in here? And the funny part was it wasn't very many things. It really didn't, the stuff from the past was legacy stuff and it didn't fit me anymore. And then I realized, wait a second, this actually doesn't just apply to my stuff. This applies to people. This applies to my thinking. So I need to really think about my, bl- my, my life as a blank slate, a, a brand new canvas. If I was to clear everything out, all my thoughts, my behaviors, my rhythms, my patterns, my people, and start over, what would I bring in? How would I think and who would be a part of my life? And all of a sudden I went, there's a lot that needs to be eliminated and deleted. And it cleared the space for me to start to evolve and go towards my potential. And that's what can happen if we start to simplify and hit the delete button and really ask if we had a blank slate, which we all do every single day, what would be on it? You've given my audience and me a lot to think about. I'm big on the reads, as you heard this, as you heard earlier. And uh, I've given, like I said, I've gone through this book. There's some great stuff in here. It's a really great read too, because the way it's designed is it's, it's easy to digest. I think a lot of this stuff, it's broken up in a way that for lack of a better term, simplifies it, Uh, it, you know, which is a fitting way to kind of wrap things up. Uh, Damien, where can people find you and where can people get, get your book? Uh, So that, that way they can learn more about how they can reinvent their life starting today. Go to go to Amazon, grab a copy of the book. And when, when you have the book, there's a lot of activities there. And if you go to DamienLupo.com, you can download a free copy of the workbook that that's the companion for the book. And it allows you to engage with the book so that you're not just reading it and then it goes away to where you're really participating in your own reinvention. So pick up a, a download a copy of the workbook at DamienLupo.com and grab this thing in any form, Audible, Kindle, whatever it works for you. It's on Amazon ready for you. Awesome. Damien, thanks for joining me today on the Productivities Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. And there you have it. My conversation with Damien, and uh, I had a great time. In fact, he's got a bonus episode where we discuss his writing process and things like that, which you will hear if you are a Patreon supporter of the show. And if you're not, I'm not going to tell you all the reasons why, but I will tell you that you get a bunch of bonus materials. You're part of a community and so on and so forth. But if you want to go to patreon.com slash productivityist, you can check out all of the reasons why you should become a patron right there. So head over to patreon.com slash productivityist to check that out. Big thanks to John Poles for producing this episode of the podcast. And thanks to Damien for joining me this week on the show. Thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, I am your host, Mike Vardy of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. 